Welcome to the Hot Lava Podcast. My name is Kevin Acey, Padres beat writer for the Union Tribune. My boss, Jay Posner, sports editor of the Union Tribune. Jay, Padres uh, have clinched a playoff spot. They are on the doorstep of clinching a home series in the playoffs. They begin a two-game series against the Angels tonight. And I got to be honest, it, it feels like, well, like any other season with the Padres, except for a different reason. I'm about to cover a series that doesn't mean anything in September. But it's like a completely different thing because instead, because it's something we got to get past to where it really matters. Right. And, you know, we were out there on Saturday together at the game, and, and that was, I think, the first night they could have clinched. And you even said to me, and, and not in a bad way, but it, it almost felt somewhat anticlimactic looking forward to it. And, and Sunday was exciting. I, I think the way it ended on Sunday was probably was. more, more exciting. It would have been anticlimactic had it, had it, they clinched in some other way, but it's just felt like an inevitability for so long that you just want to get to the good stuff. Um, yeah. And um, it's the same thing with this week. I mean, they, they're, they're going to finish second. They're going to clinch home advantage. I mean, the Marlins and Cardinals are not going to win the rest of their games. At least you wouldn't think so. Well, the Padres lose the the rest. (laughs) Well, but you still would need the Cardinals to win the rest of almost the rest of theirs. Although they do seem to play the pirates like four times a day, Mm -hmm. uh, which, uh, which does help them. But the the Padres are going to finish second, but yeah, I mean, they've got six games to go and um, you're right. You just want to, you just want to hope that nobody gets hurt and, and just get on to next Wednesday and 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 get to something that we haven't seen around here in 14 years. I mean, I think we, everybody should appreciate what's happened here. Um, and and just because there wasn't some dramatic clinching and it didn't come down to the wire or anything like that, doesn't take away from anything that that the Padres accomplished at all. And uh, it's more how impressive they've been pretty much since that one week where the sky was falling and the season was over. And then they went to Texas, and and that was it. Everything turned around that week. And ever since then, you just felt like, okay, they're in the playoffs. When does it start? And, you know, the, the good thing for what happened Sunday was was for the players to be able to to do that, to, to yes. put the hats on and, and the, the shirts and, and all that. And But there's uh, this concept of backing in, like however you get in the playoffs, you get in the playoffs. Let's say that they'd lost that day and they'd gotten in yesterday. We all would have said, Look, I would have said it too. They backed in. Well, did they? Or is it because no. of the 33 games that they won before that? You know, <laughs> so yeah. whatever. They're in I, and and we all should be enjoying it, in, in, including myself. And But this week is the one where you're like, all right, as you said, this is all about health. This is all about lining up the pitching in particular, uh, deciding who's going to be on your pitching staff right. and, you know, getting ready for next Wednesday. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's unusual. I, I'm curious to see how they approach it because, you know, it's 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 a different situation. I, I think that guys from Texas went through this, you know, what, eight years ago, something like that. I can't even remember the last time the uh, Preller and, and those 10 guys. 10 and 11. Were, 10 yes. and 11. So it's been a while since they were part of it. But it's it just really interesting to see how it. How they approach it, you know, does the starting pitcher, Zach Davies, does he does he throw 90, 95, 100 pitches tonight against the Angels? And because the, he's going to probably get another start and we can go through the, the rotation here in a minute, but he might be in a little different situation now than he will be when they, you know, when they come up on his next start or when when Clevenger, hopefully, and Lamette 
um, make their start because those guys all figure to have just one more start um, going forward. So the, the way I had it figured out, and I hope you can still hear me uh, over the Miramar planes that are flying by here, but um, I had Davies tonight, and then I figured either Clevenger or Paddock tomorrow. Do you get any sense on what might happen there? Clevenger was supposed to throw a bullpen yesterday, correct? Yeah, and, and he did, and, and I don't have a report from that, but there seemed to be before the bullpen confidence that that everything's good. He threw on Sunday, and or he played catch on Sunday, and, and that he will start on Wednesday. So we'll find out more later today. And the, the interesting thing then, if he starts on Wednesday, is, is is that it? Does he pitch again? Because if he were to come back and pitch on Saturday or Sunday, I mean, maybe he throws an inning or two be, and as sort of a bullpen right. type situation just to get into a game. I mean, I, that's one of the things they'll have to figure out. I mean, you figure if, if Clevenger pitches tomorrow, that leaves Lamette and Paddock for Friday's doubleheader in San Francisco. And then Saturday is kind of a an open day, as, as I have it. And then Davies could pitch on Sunday. And then that lines up for Clevenger or, or Lamette Wednesday, Thursday, and then Davies on Friday of next week. Do, do you see anything that I have messed up in that or that I'm that I'm missing? In those that? are the those are the questions I have. You've, you've laid it out and there are questions. And I wonder what what you think. Nelson Lamette of the last three starts in particular has erased the question that is lingering where you go, yes, this guy can be dominant, but he also could be a guy who gets you maybe, you know, the wildness or whatever. Is that really what you want in game one? Is he really the guy you want to depend on in game one? And the last three starts say the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. I, so I know I, why you got Mike Clevenger. I know exactly yeah. why you got him, but does it really matter? I don't know. It's a really interesting question as to which guy pitches in game one. And to me, it's really a coin flip. I mean, Lamette has been so good for pretty much the entire season. Uh, I I, want to see Clevenger, you know, and see what he looks like, assuming it's tomorrow. And how does he pitch? He faced the Angels once already. His Padre debut, I believe, um, was against the Angels. So... To me, it's a toss-up. I, I don't really know. I, I don't think you can go wrong either way. I mean, you're going to need both guys to pitch well regardless. And then after that, you're going to have Davies, you know, set up for uh, for game three. So I, I, I really – I think a lot of conversation will take place over the next week in terms of who pitches game one and who pitches game two. I'm not really sure it makes a whole lot of difference. I think, I think both those guys have been really good and – you know, on any given day, one of them might be a little better, but how are you going to know? And then you have a question of, so what about the rest of the pitching staff? Is is Chris Paddock, let's say that we're going to go with the assumption, and I'm not sure that it's 100%, but we're going to go with the assumption that uh, Davies is your game three starter mm-hmm. in the in the series. Is Paddock on the roster until the NLDS? I don't see why. Um, yeah, I don't either. Now, because you're, why are you bringing, you know, if you want him to pitch and you don't have a whole lot of off days, uh, though there will be some to set you up before the NLDS. In what circumstance are you pitching him? You've got some precious 
roster spot. So I, I don't see it's, it's an interesting thing because we haven't had this best of three in right. the first round. So we can't exactly, I tried to go back and look at what have teams done. Well, you know, the nationals went through a wild card game last year. Scherzer and Strasburg pitched in the wild card game like bullpens. And yeah. so it's so different this year, not to mention that these starters haven't gone a whole season. So, yes, you are going to taper them before, uh, and especially with some of the circumstances the Padres have, you're going to taper them before the postseason. But they haven't made 32 starts. So right. it's all very well, unprecedented. And the and the question about Paddock is, if he's not starting one of those three games, what, is he, what do you need him for? I mean, it, uh-huh. you're not looking, right. even if you needed a long reliever, you know, you've, you're probably going to have, you know, eight, ten other pitchers to go. And and you're going to have guys like you're going to have Garrett Richards for one thing on the roster. You're going to have Adrian Morhone. You're going to have guys that can go, you know, three innings or more in Richards' case. So I'm I'm not sure there's a need for that. So I don't know. I had I had Rosenthal, Pomerantz, Pagan, Richards, Hill, Morhone, Pierce Johnson, Matt Strom, assuming that he's healthy, Craig Stammen. You know, that's that's nine guys right there. That's probably more than you might even need. I'd almost rather see, and I haven't broken down the position players. I'd rather see a guy like Greg, you know, guys like Greg Allen and Jorge Mateo on the roster that might be able to come in and, in Allen's case, play defense and pinch run. In Mateo's case, be a pinch runner if the game goes. Or I guess they're not going to do the extra innings thing in but the postseason. So. But even so, you could use a pinch run. You know, Mitch Moreland gets on base late in the game or something. You know, you can bring in a runner. So the roster composition is going to be fascinating to uh, to watch, and I'm sure it's going to be it's going to be different in a three game series than a five game series. Absolutely, and I, as you mentioned, you know, first you got the Clevenger hurdle to get past of him starting, see what guys feel like. I'll guarantee you, these people making the decisions for the Padres, they have been so careful, so tight, uh, you know, holding it tight to to the best, and uh, they are going to wait until you know Tuesday morning. Is what they're going to do. So I think it's when, I think they can wait till Wednesday, Wednesday morning, morning. That's actually. right. They have the two off the, days. Yeah. So they going to be a lot of conversations, and which leads me to sort of promote uh, your story today on how the Padres were built. And I thought it was really interesting throughout the story how they got guys and who some of the people were that were championing the signing or trading of of some of these guys, and it just showed, especially in the top part of the story, about how many people are involved in this decision-making. And obviously, A.J. Proer is the guy who, you know, makes the final call. But talk to us a little about all the other people that are involved in that, in sort of his his inner circle. How big is the inner circle? How big is the circle outside the inner circle? Uh, you know, that sort of thing. I always in virtually every story where you write about A.J. Preller this and A.J. Preller that, I always feel a little guilty or a little like I'm not telling the whole story. But the fact is, the buck stops with A.J. Preller, so it's okay. A.J. Preller represents the the other guys that, you know, he's yeah. the guy who... We, no, good, 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 leader, good leaders take yeah. responsibility, and he's a guy that stands up and, yeah. takes, and takes responsibility. You never hear him say, oh, you know... That wasn't me. I don't accept any responsibility, that sort of thing. He 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 takes responsibility for the moves that are made. He takes responsibility for Trey Turner. It, it, look, mm-hmm. he hadn't seen Trey Turner. He trusted <laughs> uh, some other guys on his staff. That's the way it goes. And but anyway, 
Logan White, who helped build the Dodgers in many, many capacities, including uh, some really good drafts. Uh, Chuck Lamar, a, a scout that he leans heavily on and thinks more highly of than, than many people that he's ever worked with. Uh, Preston Mattingly, an up-and-coming, uh, probably future general manager who's son of Don Mattingly. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got Chris Kemp, and and I'm going to leave guys out, Mark Connor. Uh, just he, A.J. Preller, loves talking baseball. And you hear stories, and I have, uh, especially here in the last three years, uh, of that's all they do. And I've been in his office, and it looks exactly like you would think that not only his office looks, but the inside of his brain looks. And that is, there, it's just cluttered. There's all sorts of stuff going on. Uh, there have been a few times I walk in that he hides the whiteboards. There's just constantly, you hear about it, you know, the, the, the chairs are around uh, and the couches and everything's askew. And you just picture guys in there sitting brainstorming because, and, and talking ball as, as they would say, and because a uh, Mike Clevenger trade doesn't happen. An Austin Nola trade doesn't just happen. A nine player trade doesn't just happen. They right. are constantly talking about, well, this guy, this guy, okay, what if we gave him this guy? And the stories you hear of that um, as they come down to the final hours before trades and how AJ just goes back and back and back at not only Ron Fowler, but then back to his guys. And, and you, it's two, three in the morning and they're talking baseball. And, and I just, felt like it was important to convey. And I, I wish that I could have uh, taken the whole sports section to do it, but that's not how you operate. Jay, you don't let me do that. Uh, you got to, a pretty good, ch- you got a pretty good chunk <laughs> of it. Kevin. <laughs> to, to, to talk about the, we that, that AJ is always uh, talking about And I didn't do it justice because you can't. Um, but also the other thing is this is not the roster that any of us envisioned or that they envisioned. I right. mean, is it is it 11 guys? Andy Green was fired a year ago yesterday. 11 guys on this team played for Andy Green. That's, 17 that's players. Yeah. And we're not just talking, yes, a lot of relievers, but we are right. talking significant players on this team did not play for someone who was managing the team a year ago. That has nothing to do with Andy Green. That is what I'm using as the coincidental barometer of how much this team has changed. Seven guys on the roster as of right now, and probably for the playoffs, it'll be a couple different guys. Um, We're not here on August 29th. We're not with the Padres on August 29th. Did not go from San Diego to Denver with them. But that is, he traded five of his top 11 prospects. So while it's not what we expected, and it's not, by the way, 2015, oh, no, you mean they traded for all these guys? There are two or three rentals in there. Yeah. It's, they used prospects to get major league players. It, it really is fascinating what they've done. Um, Dave Cameron, I think, is another guy that you mentioned. Dave Cameron, <laughs> yes, thank you, Jay. In the story, and I, I do want to know, is there, a, is there a basketball hoop in the office, though? There is not a hoop in the office that I have noticed, but did you know that in the concourse down from the food court where um, I believe Donovan's used to be, uh, uh-huh. uh, the couple of the more, I don't know, higher end uh, places, but down just up from the Padres clubhouse on the field level, right. there's a big concourse. Yep. Basketball hoop. It's got some uh, X's marking where the lines would be. And I would say of the six times that I've gone past there, 40 of them, A.J. Preller and a portion of his staff have been playing basketball. Or A.J. Preller is drenched in sweat, those baggy shorts and his T-shirt sticking to him, and he's alone on the phone. So, like, the game just got interrupted, right. and he's working something on the phone. 
I, I thought it was great. The picture that um, Casey Alfred took on, on Sunday that we ran uh, in the paper today where he's wearing basketball shorts and a t-shirt. And I'm thinking how many general managers would be dressed like that at a game, but it just seems like that's, that's who he is. That's how he operates. And, you know, well, especially I, this year, well, <laughs> yeah. it's his version of pajamas around his mouth. <laughs> No, I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm sure that's the, uh, that's the case, but, um, but it is interesting. I mean, you look at all the guys that are playing now that were not here, um, uh, last year and contributing, I mean, Cronenworth and, and Grisham and Nola and, and, um, you know, Tommy Pham when he gets, uh, um, when he gets back and the, the pitchers, uh, like you mentioned, Clevenger and Davies and Palmer. Trevor Rosenthal and these guys. So it's, it's been the turnover is remarkable. And the fact that they've sort of come together um, as a unit, I guess, is a credit to, to the players and guys in the clubhouse. Like I I would assume guys like Hosmer and Machado, uh, you know, who have sort of made sure that everybody comes together like that. And also, and you know, this will be something I'm sure we'll be addressing at some point is, you know, the rookie manager, um, has been put in a situation where, you know, no manager has been before, uh, and him and the other guys that are doing his job right now. And, you know, he's done a fantastic job, obviously in building a culture. Um, you know, strategy is all one thing for, for managers, but there's, there's no doubt that Tingler's done a great job in terms of building a, a clubhouse culture this year. He, he has. I mean, I can't state that enough. And he also came into something of a of a good circumstance. First oh, off, sure. you're the guy who followed the guy that the team essentially was done with, right? The players um, and management, all right? Everyone's going to be on their best behavior and be willing to, to follow somebody. A.J. Preller's guy, who everybody in that clubhouse knew they were aligned. That's huge. And I'll tell you that I think this team has thrived under COVID situations. Um, as I've written about a few times, I'll write about again before the postseason. In the weeks leading up to the season, talking to people around the league, it was no secret. The Padres, if not had the most players, uh, one of the two or three teams who have the you know highest number of players in San Diego working mm-hmm. out together and team said they're going to have a head start and it and it not only did it help them early on and through the season it helped them because these guys were hanging out together and that's where they started to build the culture and the coaches were there and they admired that the coaches were there for 12 hours because they could only work out in groups of four so coaches were working out with two or three different groups um right. I, it just I, I really do think that everything came together and i'm not saying they wouldn't be good in a 162 game season certainly this season will help them going forward you would think in terms of the experience but I, things also really came together for this team right and as you said i mean the idea that they didn't just trade for rentals um for the most part and yeah. I, I think it's a little different. And, and um, Kirk Kenny's writing a story today that we didn't have room for in today's oh, paper why? because some because somebody took up a big chunk of the section. Um, but part of it looks at looking back at the at the two World Series teams that this organization has had, and sort of the difference in those teams that were really built more for one season. Um, yep. The '96, I guess '98. You know, you had a lot of guys left over from '96. 
as well. But they made a couple of key additions yes. in 98 and everything was aimed for that season um, in large part so they could get the ball, get the ballpark approved. 84, you know, you had guys brought in Gossage and Nettles that were older guys. <clears throat> this group's pretty young. Including the MVP candidate, Manny Machado. Uh, now he won't be young at the end of this contract if he stays here, but you know, he's still young. It's uh, the old man. Eric Hosmer is 30. Uh, right. Right. It, it's a, it's, it's a, it is, it's a good dynamic. You, you would think, uh, not for us to get too far ahead of ourselves, but I did want to make that point that you look at it, and you go, look at all these trades. It's, it's to build for the future. Well, we can talk more about MVP. I think on uh, Friday, yeah. And uh, it'll be a couple more games. We'll see what what else Freddie Freeman's done, Mookie Betts, talk about the importance of stats versus sort of, you know, valuable to your team, um, off field, a little bit of off-field stuff. But it's going to be an interesting vote. It's certainly not a lock for uh, for anybody, I would say. Um, but I, I, I think a lot of it will depend on how voters uh, approach approach it and i think machado will be hurt we can get into this more friday i do think he'll be hurt by his reputation whether that's fair or not is another story but i i would not be surprised if if that hurts him a little bit but again you don't know i don't know who's all voting uh i did see a piece online yesterday by mark feinsand i think it was mlb.com i believe he writes for yeah um, you you can see that there's a little um a little push going yeah. nationally yeah. Uh, for, for, for Manny and then good, good, good for him. And, you know, I saw and Chipper Jones was campaigning for Freddie Freeman. And so there's going to be, you know, there's going to be some of that over the next, uh, over the next few days, but we'll look closer at that on Friday. We'll talk about what happened in the angel series, especially who pitched uh, in, uh, in Wednesday's game and, and how that person looked and what it might mean you know, going forward for the playoffs. And I'm sure you'll have maybe a couple more answers at least on uh, on the roster. And if not, we'll just do some more speculating, right? That's uh, been very fun this year. A new, a new facet of covering the team uh, in the COVID area. Speculation. All yeah, right. No question. All right. Thank you, everybody. Talk to you on Friday. Bye.